0: But we're going to read from John chapter 10, excuse me, chapter 13, verses 1 through 10. And uh, I want you to follow along as we see a, a portrait of Jesus and the disciples. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world... And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean though not every one of you. Let's pray together. God, we thank you that you have called us to something greater than ourselves, something more significant than ourselves. You called us to the kingdom of God, and we pray, Lord, that that will become even more clear in this hour. We thank you for this worship. We thank you for the privilege of of allowing your spirit to witness to our spirit. And we pray, Lord, that you will transform us in this time. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Well, um, I've got a couple of images up here, and one of them I want to use um, you should be familiar with. Uh most all of you have have used these before. A deck of cards. And no, I'm not going to do a card trick on display for you today. But it's interesting that as some see this deck of cards, there is an association made with this. Uh, Days of old, some can harken back to when playing cards was discouraged. And there was a reason for that. Uh, They made the connection that somehow you would be entering into a game of chance and as you entered into this game of chance it would lure you into other games of chance and that somehow that playing these cards would guide you into gambling and you would move from these cards to slot machines and roulette wheels. And you would somehow take up residence in Las Vegas. And the connection would be made that these chords and the playfulness of these chords would lead you to reckless gambling. Gambling is an interesting thing, isn't it? It, it? I heard not too long ago that somebody actually put $1.50 in a slot machine and and received a million dollars. Now, the industry wants you to know that story, don't they? Yeah, yeah, Ben, that's exactly right. But that's just one story that doesn't include the failures and the disappointments of others. Uh, My dad, I I grew up in central Kentucky, and we had, uh, well, you know what our gambling was? Horse racing, right, And so my dad would take me to this place called kingling, and and we would go, and he'd say, "Now, Tim, you're not of age to really bet on a horse, but I want you to take a look at this list of horses uh, they're about to run, and I' tell you what, you pick one, and I'll go up to the window, and I'll place the bet for you." i didn't have much to go on, and I was intrigued by the names of these horses, and two things. Uh, informed my wager. Uh, One was, if it had an interesting name, you know how these horses have interesting names. And so I would pick out the most interesting name. And then I would also pick the long shot, Uh, trying to make a lot off of a little. And so I would say, dad, this is the one I want. He'd say, now the odds aren't good on that. Are you sure? And I'd say, yeah, that's the one I want. And every time my horse would straggle in last, and, and I would place that wager, uh, but I'd come up with a loss. What about um, the lottery? At the convenience store near where I live, I've kind of gotten to know some of the employees, and, and, and they're good about things, and, and so one day I was standing in line, and I gotta tell you, I don't don't play the lottery. There's a couple of reasons why I don't play the lottery. Number one, I don't understand it. These people come up and they'll say, "Uh, I'll take the so-and-so and so-and-so, and and I'll be like, man, I, I wouldn't know what to do. I don't know what to call these different games. So the first thing that would keep me from gambling is I'd be totally confused, okay? The second is, why not let somebody else pay for my kid's education, right? And so there's a part of me that says, hey, Go ahead and play, man. I appreciate it. My daughter's gotten the hope. It's great. But then there's another part. I don't want to hold the people up behind me if I played. Have you ever gotten irritated when they're, you're standing in line, you're ready to pay for your coffee, and they're like, I hope I get the big one. What do you think? I'm like, I don't know, man. Good luck, you know? And, and the other is it's one more taxation on the poor. It's a pipe dream, and I want to say to the the guy, you may get the little winning, but you're not going to get the jackpot. Now, Jesus actually encourages his disciples to consider wagering their life on something, betting their life on something, and that's what I want us to take a look at today The Passover meal has been prepared. Jesus has said, the time has come. My hour is before me. He's saying, I'm bringing closure to this earthly life, this journey that we've been on. And so they come to the upper room, and two things are clear. Two things are obvious. One is the table has been set for the Passover meal. And so there's the unleavened bread and the chalices, and they are laid out nicely. But there was something awkward for them in that there was a basin and a town. Now, what you need to know is the custom was that when you entered into a setting like that, To really be hospitable, there needed to be a servant who would wash one's feet. And there was no one designated. It was usually a day laborer. But no one had been assigned. Do you understand how awkward that is? I mean, nobody wanted to to wash the feet of the one next to him. And what's interesting about this text is it kind of gives some things away in terms of the awkwardness because it says they sat down and began to eat. Now, I don't know about you, but yes, I heard that repeated chorus growing up. Timmy, before we eat, you've got to wash your hands, right? Go wash your hands before you get to the table. Well, in this custom, the foot washing came before the meal, but they weren't going to enter into that. That was beneath them. That was awkward. And so they began eating and drinking in an uncustomary way. Things were out of order. And so that's the first observation. The other is you want people's feet cleaned. You you want to be able to sit down to a meal and have clean feet. And there's a couple of reasons. One is that in that setting, it says that they reclined. So when you would eat a meal, supper, you would recline at the table. Now I want you to envision that. Kind of a leaning back, and they would elevate their feet and sandals close to the person next to them. And so this wasn't just about hygiene. This was about the stench of somebody else's feet and a diminished appetite. And so they ate, having not entered into this ceremony. And Jesus, it says, breaks from his meal. And he removes the outer clothing and he takes a towel and he drapes it around himself. Now this is upside down. They called him rabbi, teacher, master. And he took the towel in the basin <clears throat> and he went to Peter. Now Peter earlier probably was like, hey, they called me the rock. Jesus said he's going to build his church on me. I don't need to be washing feet. And James and John, the brothers of uh, the sons of Zebedee, they were probably like, hey, we asked to sit at the right hand of God the Father when Jesus comes into his throne. Now, that hasn't been approved, but we don't really see ourselves washing feet. But Jesus goes over and he kneels before Peter. And the foot washing unfolds and he bathes Peter's feet in the basin and caresses them and then dries them. And, and Peter's stirred by this. This is, this is awkward. This is actually humbling. Recently, we had a leadership team gathered, and we didn't announce this, but one of our leaders said, Hey, let's do a foot washing. And so we had men and women of different ages, um, different sectors of the church there, uh, and and we were in a circle, and we said, Unannounced, gang, we're going to enter into a church tradition of foot washing. Well, you should have seen everybody. I mean, it was awkward. And and, uh, after it was over, I said, you know, how did you feel? What, what, what surfaced from this experience? And somebody said, I really felt the movement of the spirit. It was humbling. I felt connected to God. And another one said, I should have had a pedicure. And it exfoliated, exfoliated my heel. What does that mean? Is that an amputation? And so, and so there, you, you with me? Now, that was awkward for them. Think of Peter. That's why in that awkward moment he says, Lord, you don't need to be washing my feet, man. And Jesus said, unless I wash your feet, unless I serve you, unless you allow me to serve you, and you become part of this service worldview, you can really have no part of me. And in that moment, I think Peter understood something that we all understand. When that moment of humility hits, he said, God, I am so dirty. I need you to clean my hands and my head and my heart. Bathe me all over. John 13, 12 through 17 is another clip from this scene. And I think we have it on the board. It's a different version from what I'm reading. So you read it in this version to yourself. And I'm going to read this. After Jesus had washed their feet, had put on his robe, and had returned to the table, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right. For that is what I am. So if I, your teacher, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Very truly, I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Okay, there are a couple of things here. Jesus makes a clear non-ambiguous, no real questions about his requirement. He says, if you're going to have a part of me, if you're going to be a follower of me, then you need to be willing to serve. And really there's a mandate in there that everyone is called to serve. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another. You see, one of the things that we're going to be moving through in October is we want to move beyond living for ourselves. We want to move beyond our petty concerns or somehow our longing for status or possessions or our protective turf. We want as a church to move forward and get outside of ourselves. And to do that, we've got to do that individually. And Jesus is calling us to be people of the towel. And so every one of you has a towel. And some of you may say, well, Tim, you don't understand. I've got a disability. Or or, Tim, you don't understand. I'm older. I've, I've served, but I'm older now. Or I'm young, and I don't know that anybody... Stop it! Everyone is called and enabled to serve. And here's the cool part. There's a blessing in this. Get this. In the scripture I just read... It says, if you know these things, if you know these things and you do these things, you are blessed. And so not only is there a mandate for everyone, no one is exempt from serving. There's a promise that if you know these things and you do these things, you're going to be blessed. Now, we don't say that out of a spirit of selfishness or uh, somehow uh, that uh, we're going to gain if we just simply comply. to No, where the blessing comes is in the moment, in the act of kindness, in the showing of compassion. And you've heard it and I've heard it, and you've said it, and I've said it. And it's this. I thought I went to be a blessing, but it turned out I was blessed. blessed. And so what Jesus is saying is if you're willing to be people of the towel, you'll engage in something that is supernatural, that will come back to you, and you will gain so much. It's worth the wager it's worth betting your life on because at the end of the day the question for us is what did my life count for what will my life count for why does this church exist Well, one thing I am proud about and we're trying to be systematic and chris higdon is working hard with liz hammock to get us a plan where we will be very intentional we will target local mission initiatives and national initiatives and international initiatives and all of us can play a part we've played a part as part of our story tijuana and making a difference to that community and to the community that we've served there. We're sending just this week 35 flood buckets that will end up in South Carolina where there's been such devastating, devastating flooding. And so no matter who you are, no matter what age you are, no matter the choices you've made, no matter the mistakes that have come out of your life, you are called to serve. You know, really, we've been saved for eternity, but we've been saved to serve in this life. And so here's the question for us again, and it's a a gamble. How am I going to make a difference in the one and only life that I have? Will I pursue power and jockey for position Will I look simply to the applause of men and women and people? Will I long for that fame? Am I simply wanting to be comfortable? Will I be able to look back over my life and say, you know what, I I was pretty comfortable. Is that something we want to wager our lives on? Or do we want to make a difference? Solomon helps us. One of the wisest men recorded in Scripture in the Old Testament for sure and if we were to interview him today, I really believe he would say, talk about the American dream. I lived it because we know that it's recorded and scribed that he hit the jackpot. I mean, just think about some of the things he said. I built houses, multiple houses, houses that I could not even live in. He said, I loved wine and I created vineyards. I relocated trees, and I built gardens, and I had slaves and herds of livestock. I, I had it all. I mean, when, when Solomon would, when, when he would book a musician, he would buy a musician. And when he would go to the opera, he would buy the opera. I mean, that's the kind of wealth that he had. It says that he had a harem, but I'm not going to go into that. Ecclesiastes 2.11 kind of sums it up because he said, I made a wager. I bet on something. Let's see how he did. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had spent in doing it. And again, all was vanity, a chasing after wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. All of that toil, really for nothing. And so, what he's saying is, I wagered and lost when it came to possessions. But you see, that's just him. Maybe for you, it's something else. Maybe for you, you've wagered on a child. And while it's good to invest in our children and while we care for them and we pray for them, if our success and our happiness is based on how they come out, some will be disappointed. Or if we're gambling on the applause of people and and we're saying I'm going to wager that my real purpose is how people feel about me and I'm, I'm going to somehow win their favor, I need to share with you. In fact, Jesus could share with us. People are fickle and they're going to disappoint. And so what I would rather do is be a person of the towel because Jesus has promised a guarantee, a return. And he says, if you will join me in this, there will be little disappointment and great joy yeah there'll be times of struggle and there will be pain even in serving but the return will be significant gang that's what i'm willing to wager my life on and this morning i want to ask you to to join me as our worship team comes back up there's a couple of things I want you to do as we think through what does it mean to live beyond ourselves. I think we're off to a good start in the imagery that Jesus shows us with the basin and towel. Service. I want you to think about observing those around you, not necessarily here, but in the world that you are in. And look at the people who serve and assess their joy level. And then finally, look to be in worship this whole month because we're going to be talking about how to exponentially move beyond ourselves, multiplying ourselves for the purposes of Christ.